Before we get to today's podcast, Ed Leaders is proud to announce our first two partnerships. Our first partnership with Schoolbox will see us head to Melbourne to the Schoolbox Meetup happening on the 12th and 13th of September, so get along to that. And we've got a bunch of other things planned with Schoolbox over the next 12 months. Schoolbox is an all-in-one learning management system, LMS portal and engagement platform for K-12 schools and a product that I've personally had a lot to do with over the last six years. Check them out at schoolbox.com.au. We're also excited to announce our first Melbourne Mastermind Roundtable. The Mastermind Roundtable will be on Tuesday the 13th of September from 7 to 8am at Kilvington Grammar School, where attendees will not only have the opportunity to meet Matt and I, but attendees will have the opportunity to engage in the authentic small group conversations with some of our past EdLeader guests, including Catherine Misson, Lauren Sayer, Troy Stanley, and today's guest, yes, he's back, Rob French. This is your chance to ask your questions and hear from them directly in a small round table setting and learn straight from the thought doers themselves. Tickets are just $59 and can be purchased by heading to our website, edleaders.com.au and clicking the link to the Mastermind Roundtable. The event is strictly limited to 50 tickets and we will sell out. So get your tickets today for what we think will be one of the best PD opportunities of the year. Sponsoring this event is CompNow. They've been delivering innovative and customized IT solutions for their customers, focusing on long-term success and partnerships for over 30 years. Check out the services they offer at compnow.com.au and we are very thankful to them for helping us make this event a reality and helping to support our mission of creating opportunities for authentic conversations about K-12 education. So with that, let's get to today's episode. All right, no problem. All right, here we go. Welcome to Ed Leaders, a podcast covering all the interesting ideas about leadership, strategy, culture, and the business of K-12 education. I'm your host, Luke Kelly, and joining me each week in the chair is my co-host and colleague, Matthew Irving. Today's guest, he's back, Rob French. Principal of Kilvington Grammar. Now, if you're a fan of the show, you'll know that this is part two of a three-part series that Rob has agreed to share with us as he goes through his first year of principalship. Part one was recorded on his third day in the role and was about the lead-up appointment and starting. And today's episode is all about the first 100 days in the role. So without further ado, let's get to it. Rob, welcome to the show again. Thanks so much, Luke. Great to be here again and great to see you, Matt. Yeah, great to see you, Rob. At least... uh, at least you're joining us this time, Matt. Now, I have to say, uh, Rob, one, your episode was one of my favourites, mainly because Matt wasn't there and oh, I got thanks. to run the whole show. But uh, I had some awesome feedback about your show and just your authenticity and, you know, the, the way you shared your journey. Um, so it was, you know, amazing feedback from our end. Did, uh, did you get any feedback about the first episode? Yes, yeah, really positive. It was, it was so nice. People I hadn't worked with for years who were sending me messages saying, I just heard your podcast. So, yeah, it felt like a minor celebrity for a day or two. But, uh, that was was really nice. You had really good feedback. So it was a really positive experience. Excellent. I'm glad. And uh, when we last caught up, as I said, you're, uh, you're, I think your third day in the role in the chair. Yeah. I think uh, you were just kind of unpacking the photo frames. Um, yeah. Now, I guess we, we will start this time with a, a little, little bit more about, you know, fast forwarding to maybe your first assembly or your first staff meeting and, and what was that like and, and, and what did you say? Yeah, but go the, the first staff address was really interesting because that time, I know it was around all Australia, but in Victoria in particular, there was a real uncertainty about the start of the school year. I think some health experts just before the school started said maybe we should delay it a little bit and I was thinking, oh my God, we're going into this again first up. But a lot of schools put the staff days online 
And I was very reluctant to do that because I just wanted to see everyone. This was going to be my first time in front of the staff and I really was so keen to do it in person. But in the end, with so many schools going online, we thought the safest thing to do, given the, the time, was just to, yeah, let's keep everyone safe as possible. And we did it online. So it was interesting. Our IT guys, great uh, job there. They, but they set me up the way that I could see it on Teams. And I'd been used to Zoom, but Teams are a little bit different. All I could see was my slides and I couldn't, couldn't see anyone or hear anyone. So my first staff address... It was just me looking at my slides and just remember at one stage I said something that I thought was reasonably funny and I thought, do I pause now and wait for the inevitable laughter that's happening out there? And <laughs> so it was, it was a bit awkward, but yeah, I thought a lot about what I would say and in the end, a bit of, bit of balance on this one because I, I thought I'd uh, go with a bit of a personal story first and a little bit why school means so much to me. And I did end up saying that a little bit at the parent nights and that stuff. And I think you've got to be careful. You don't want to talk about yourself too much. But I did think this will give people a bit of an insight into me and what makes me tick and what has drawn me to schools. So I started off with that and then moved into just other things, a bit of vision. And then a lot of it was nuts and bolts as we had just unveiled our COVID plans and everything was you know, a bit of a shifting landscape. But yeah, so the little story I told at the start was just um, came to me after my school days, actually. But uh, when I was at school myself, especially high school, I just absolutely loved it. Like, And people thought I was mad that I just loved school, would get up with raging temperatures to get there because I didn't want to miss anything. Um, and a lot of people are a bit surprised, even especially your Melbourne listeners. I grew up out in Dandenong, you know, working class suburb, just went to Dandenong High there. Uh, great community, multicultural, diverse, and I just loved it and was so absorbed in it. And I remember by year 12, I just didn't want to leave. I was in my place and just as year 12 was slipping past me, I just didn't want to leave my happy place. Didn't think too much of it at the time. I just thought I was really lucky, loved school. But it was years later, looking back, I think we were getting ready for our 10-year reunion and someone had asked me to say something. And I was looking back at that. what I realised so clearly looking back on it was just before I started high school, my parents separated. So for a 12-year-old about to start high school, uh, my dad leaving home at that time, which, you know, that time of adolescence, and while the home front became very unsteady and uncertain and we weren't sure whether this was going to be long-term or how it was going to end up, I remember at that time I didn't like having my friends over to my house because obviously I'd hated people asking where your dad is. So what I realised is that school be just, just became this haven, just became this safe place. And that became my community, that was my tribe. And that's why I think I formed such a strong attachment to schooling. And I've got no doubt that was a big impact on drawing me back into working in schools just if I can provide that safe place for other people and who might be going through their own issues in those teenage years or people who are perfectly happy on the outside, the outside life's going great, but you want school to further enhance that, not detract. So I think I was very much drawn to school. So I shared that with everyone and thought that was just a way of just showing a little bit about myself and a little bit about what had driven me into education and then uh, moved on from there. So it sounds like, Rob, that you had really clearly framed up what you really wanted to share uh, with the staff. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, certainly when, you know, I know when I present, I just use slides and, and sort of shoot from the hip. How much did you need to script that, um, your, your speech? Did you read it from a piece of paper or did you just authentically just speak your story just the way you have just now? Yeah, what I do when I speak, I, I'm a terrible reader in public. I, I just don't feel comfortable reading word for word. I just, just really didn't get the knack of that. I, so what I do is work off points. So if, if I've got, and I think on that day I had the slide. So the first slide up was um, something about my background and I just knew then I was going to be relating that sort of story. So I, when I 
speak publicly, I tend to work off points. I remember very early on, we had to do an online uh, information morning and I had a whole script that was written, a great script. And as I was reading it, it sort of seemed to be really fast, speeding past. They told me, no, don't worry, it'll just go the speed you're reading. But it seemed to zap by and I just didn't like how that came across. So we did another one where I was sitting down just with a few points and I just spoke more freely. So yeah, it's interesting, people very different styles and, and I know some people are far more comfortable when they've got the scripted bit to read and uh, I just never felt comfortable doing that. So I just work off dot points and if I'm doing slides, minimal information that just gives me the prompt that I know that slide, okay, now I know what I'm going to be saying. I think the thing that you mentioned there around, you know, you went to school and you know, maybe no one else knew what was going on or maybe one or two people knew what was going on and I think it's such an important thing for, you know, teachers and school leaders to remember not only about kids but staff is that everyone comes in every day with something that's going on for them and often we don't know what that is because we don't share that with everyone but it's a really important thing to remember that everyone's probably going through something Um, and I think that we can all do well to remember that that's the case. I guess I'm interested in um, your workload you know in in taking on the, the new role um, you know, how, how's that been and, you know, has that changed a lot already, like over, over the first kind of a hundred days and how does that compare even back to, you know, your past roles over the last few years? Yeah, the, the deputy role certainly fairly busy and pretty full on. I think, yep, yeah, definitely a step up in workload and it's just the, probably the change in the amount of things that you've just got to be across and things that I hadn't been exposed to a whole lot just like the marketing side of schools and the the finances and so it's just being across more things which increases the general workload Um, but certainly as I said the deputy role are pretty full-on and pretty busy in itself but it just is that uh, step up again progression wise just because you are dealing probably making more decisions on a daily basis because you've got no one to ultimately send it off to Uh, you're making the calls yourself and just the volume of things you've got to be across, especially in that first time when you're becoming absorbed in a new community and finding out a whole lot of new things. Uh, so the workload certainly has increased. It, it has been pretty busy, but you've just got to manage yourself as best you can. And it's interesting, uh, Rob, sort of talking to other principals and, and people that have acted in the role, um, you know, often that idea of just the sheer number of decisions you make in a day Um is, is absolutely phenomenal and, and potentially uh, just very exhausting. I'm also interested in, were there any surprises, things you just went, oh, I didn't know that that was part of the role or, um, you know, things that perhaps, um, you know, you really didn't feel prepared for in that first 100 days? No, feel fairly fortunate in that nothing's happened where I thought, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming or I didn't think that I was going to have to be doing this. So I think I've been really fortunate just with the the background experience and especially the last few years of being a deputy head in the school and getting the opportunity to be an acting head uh, for a bit over a term. So nothing that has been a real surprise. But, yeah, it's the, the amount of decisions is probably something that, that I yeah, hadn't really thought of, just how many, even small ones, or they seem pretty small, but they do have an impact on people. And you know you're going to be making decisions that you know, people feel pretty strongly about either way. You can't keep everyone happy. And it's it's just a whole lot of little calls you've got to make through the day where people will come to you expecting decision. And um, sometimes you just have to, have to be a bit careful if you're really busy, especially, that you don't just make the snap decision right there. And then you might just need to say even 15 minutes, just give me 15 minutes. I just want to check out this with one other person. And 
you've just got to be a bit careful about making those snap decisions. I think I heard it said before, just beware of making those decisions in the corridor, and especially on the run. Uh, so certainly something that I've been aware of that you are asked to make your mind up on a lot of different things from parents as well. Um, with students and with teachers and you do spend a lot of the time just making calls on different things and uh, it's shown me the importance of building that trust and if people do feel okay I can trust this guy and uh, I value that I'm at least got a chance to have my opinion uh, and then trust your judgment in the end but uh, yeah it certainly is something that I was aware of coming in there was a lot of decisions to make very quickly. And what's interesting um, you know also about that is um, I think you made a really good point about those corridor decisions, how quick schools are and how busy they are. And there is a temptation just to run down the corridor, right, you this, 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 and just to slow down. Um, I think that's a really interesting, um, I think a piece of advice for all leaders in busy schools. Um, and is there a sense for you that, you know, the target on your backs just got bigger, <laughs> particularly with those decisions that you make that people don't, don't like? No, I think I've been really fortunate, but it's a great community here uh, and I feel really appreciative to the staff. They've embraced the change and um, yeah, given me a lot of trust, I think, early on, which has been great. And so I certainly don't feel like I've been walking around with a target on my back, um, but certainly I'm aware that when you do make these decisions, you've just got to very much show people that you're authentic and you're really considering all options. You're not just making the snap decisions because I think that's where people would feel frustrated if they're not listened to, they're not heard, they don't get a chance to fully explain themselves um, and their situation before you make a decision. So I think that's the, the, that's the important thing. And exactly as you said there, Matt, n- not the snap decision. It, I think before you do think about anything it's just that time to think and even if it's a short time just time to think before you then make the call so often when people come and see you it's they'll, they'll be asking for something or they're wanting you to consider something I think it's a really good idea to just say I'll get back to you just leave it with me rather than make the call right there and then especially if you haven't got all the pieces lined up that you need uh, just to make that decision so but I think people will trust you if you, you they do at least you are giving them the opportunity to fully explain what's going on from their perspective Talking about the uh, the corridor conversations, I think one of the things that we talked about in the first episode was visibility, and you know the importance of being visible, you know over over that first year. How have you found that ability to be visible in your community, and how how I guess how have you gone about making time for that? Yeah, it's really important to consider that in those early days and so many principals will give you that advice you can't just run a school from your office and every now and then it's just necessary things are busy and you get a lot of appointments so people are coming to see you so you're still connecting with people of the community but sometimes you do feel a bit locked in if you've got you know back-to-back appointments for a long time so I'm always just aware of that and just before school recess lunchtime that chance to be out and about um, I am not teaching this year which I have missed I've really missed the actual teaching so I'm going to have a, consider that a bit about going forward into next year. But the one thing I have been doing is uh, jumping in a fair bit. I'm hopefully going to do one this morning and doing some cover classes. And at the moment, with quite a few of our teachers down with COVID and the normal flu that seems pretty debilitating as well, it's just been a great opportunity to go into classes. I taught a history class the other week, which was brilliant, and took a mentor group yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, I went out and took a Year 7 football team for their training because the teacher was offered another PD. So... It's just you'd make those moments and make it a priority to get out there as much as you can. And, and that is what is so rewarding because I did realise that when you usually start at a school, the first people you connect with are usually the students you teach. 
And if you're doing a pretty good job, word gets around about oh, Mr. Such and Such or Ms. Such and Such is a really good teacher. And that tends to give you a bit of um, kudos out there. So when you're not actually teaching, it, it's really different ball game, and you do have to make that time and make sure you are getting out there as much as you possibly can. So visibility really important, and it has been very much a priority, you know, through this uh, the year to now. And it sounds like that that idea of being visible was also part of something we talked about in your first hundred days, which was you really needed to do a listening tour, and you really needed to get out and about to, to listen, and so being present and being visible, no doubt has been part of the strategy to, to listen to your community. So what have you learned from those experiences working with kids and getting into classes and walking in the corridor and getting out into the playground? Okay, yeah, good question. It's uh, you, you do pick up so many little things. It's hard just to grab them out because you're, you're talking to people constantly. But I think one of the things that, that like an example that came through uh, pretty clearly early on is we've got a great staff here and I think the last couple of years all around have been pretty demanding on teachers and even now we've got teachers who are teaching their classes but they've also got X number of students online at the same time and they're catering for them and they're making sure all their work's loaded up on the learning system and platform just for those students who are isolating at different times. So I just got the sense early on that our staff were that they were feeling pretty um, tired after the last couple of years and what it's demanded from them. So one of the things we were able to do was we put out a, a survey actually just to get a bit of a pulse check with staff, students and parents. And the thing that came through with staff is that they really were requesting and really going to appreciate a bit of a focus on staff wellbeing and how we can best foster and enhance that. So we've actually just set up a working group. Our school chaplain's going to be running that with some teachers and support staff from across the school. And their whole job is just to focus on staff wellbeing and to present a couple of ideas of how we can best, as I said, foster and enhance staff wellbeing. So it's just one of the things picking up when you are talking to people. Um, and students as well, they'll just have their, it, it's just the small things that you don't really think about, but for them it's quite big, like how many times they've got to change during the day if they've got PE period one and they've got to come to school in school uniform and get changed and then straight after PE get changed again. And then they might have after school sports, so they're getting changed again and then changing again to walk home. So things like that that seem not on your radar unless someone brings it up to you. And that was one of the things that uh, had a good chat to some students about. We've just been talking about that recently to make a few changes on just some of those little things. Or they seem little, but they make a big difference uh, just to the comfort. And yeah, we want our young people to be getting up, looking forward to coming to school. And if you can take away things that are a bit draining as much as possible, um, then much better for them. So it's just those things that you pick up when you do get around talking to people. Yeah, and it just sounds like there's lots of like there's lots of nuances that you observe, but you also sort of speak about, um, you know, in terms of, of picking up the culture. So how would you describe the culture from all those nuances that you've sort of picked up along the way? Yeah, that it's one of the things with Kilvington, I'm really fortunate to be joining a community like this one, because when you walk in the door very quickly, you do pick up this such a strong sense of community. The students are so supportive of each other and that comes through in assemblies and comes through when you're just interacting with them out and about. Uh, so and I think there's a lot of students here who, or I think my aim would be all of them, but I think a vast majority of students here would feel very comfortable being themselves and also valued for who they are. And I think staff as well. So there is a real care element to the school that goes through everything. And I think it's probably because it's quite small, about 830 students from K to 12. So it's a compact sort of community, 
but it is it's certainly really caring. So the the main thing that stands up out about the community here is just care, and uh, it, it's just so brilliant to come into a place that's already got that established, and it's a bit intangible too. It's hard to absolutely define all the elements to it and where it's become created and where it's been fostered along the way. But I think when students certainly enter it, they would feel very much valued and welcomed into the community and, as I said, very much free to be themselves, which is incredibly special and so important for young people negotiating, you know, the younger childhood years and adolescence. And has there been any, uh, you know, without giving away specifics, but uh, has there been any kind of difficult or complex situations that you've kind of come across during those first 100 days or an interaction that you've had and then you've kind of sat back a few days later or a week later and gone, mm, I wish I'd kind of maybe said something different or done that a little bit differently? Yeah, I think it's always the, the tough days are going to be about people and what has come clear as well, just talking about the impact on staff of the last few years, is a lot of our young people haven't come through the last couple of years in great shape, just mental health has really taken a battering. And, and I know a lot of people talk about this nationwide. Uh, so we, we've got some young people here who are being incredibly vulnerable and going through some real hardships and some of our families and some of our staff as well. So they're, they're the tough days and they're the tough conversations. So probably none that I would look back on and think, oh, I really put my foot in it. I could have done that differently. But certainly there's things where you think, oh, I could have just said this slightly differently just to make sure that that's what was meant. And I do remember one occasion just going back to someone a few days later just to clarify. And, and they were fine, but it was just more in my mind. I wanted to reassure them that this is what I meant and um, that was okay. But yeah, I think that the tough times have been definitely sitting down with people who are vulnerable and are struggling and there's a whole lot of reasons for it. I think the last couple of years, as I said, has had its impact. And then I just think we've got some members of the community that have just gone through some really tough times, even in this first 100 days that I've been here, um, requires some real sensitive care. And uh, they're, they're the challenging times and they're the tough times when you're dealing with so many people and especially so many negotiating the adolescent years. Things are not always going to go right. And we've just got some young people that really need our help and need our support. And um, that's probably another reason why I was drawn so much into schools as well and in, into education. And that's our role to support and nurture as much as we possibly can. And I guess I've got a question around uh, the first three months and your kind of relationship with the, the, the board and the chair and how that's kind of evolved over the, over the first hundred days. Yeah, and, and I'm not just saying this because some of them will be listening, uh, but uh, I, I'm just incredibly fortunate too with the board. So we had a great board chair who was in place who ran the appointment process and was in there for the start of this year, but has just stepped off after doing the nine years, completing the nine years. Um, so we've got a new chair and you know, no, we're getting on really well, um, got a really good relationship. She's a, a couple of students at the school um, and she feels very passionate about the school and is very busy in her own right with her own career. But um, we've got a really good relationship where I can just call and we can chat and do it informally and especially in the lead up to board meetings. And we're just obviously in the first stages of that because she took over in April. Um, but the whole board just been incredibly supportive and, and I have really appreciated that as well because it's a, it's a big change for them too. The, John, the last head who did such a great job at the school um, from its early days when he first took over when the school was teetering on the brink of survival and then he's revived it and turned it into the place that is thriving today. Uh, so it was a big change for the board. John was here 14 years. So I've really appreciated their support as well. Uh, and they, they've once again embraced the change and because um, we uh, yeah just slightly different structure with board meeting and board reports that we're, I'm doing it a little bit differently at the moment because we're finished a strategic plan and about to start a new one. So we're waiting for that one to be finalised before we 
absolutely clarify the report. So I've, I've designed my own um, way of reporting at the moment. Uh, they've just been incredibly supportive and really strong relationships. And one already that I can see is just going to be built on honesty, honesty and trust. And has the structure of those board meetings been uh, different to what you might have experienced at previous roles? No, very similar, actually. Just just the way, uh, very similar sort of agenda and the way they run. Um, the discussions are a little bit different just because there's such different contexts. Say to Campbell, that's the other school I've experienced uh, board level at. Um, but but very similar as far as agenda structure and the you know, the general way the, the governance side of things will work and the protocols of board meetings. And so as we sort of kind of close out this little part here, um, you know, I'm really interested, Rob, where you think you are in the journey. And we talk about that continuum of listening, learning, and then leading. Where do you think you are 100 days in and, and where do you think you need to be, um, say, in the, in the next sort of three to, to six months? Yeah, the, I think those three are very interlinked because I know a lot of people will say, go into a job, don't do, make any decisions for 12 months. But when you're on the ground, 12 months is a long time. And, and if there's things that just you, you think, why would we be doing that and can't we just make a change now? I think sometimes you do need to grab that chance. Big decisions, definitely, totally understand that. But so I think to answer the question, I, I think the listening, learning, the leading, that they're all very much interlinked. I think 12 months of listening is a long time without making a decision and might actually frustrate some people because they'll be saying, this is this has been going on for a long time and this is a pretty easy fix. And if you agree with it, yeah, um, it doesn't make sense to say, oh, but what about next year? Because the first 12 months, I'm not going to make a decision. Um, but as far as from this point onwards, I think I'm, I'm heading into the real crunch time. And it's really exciting time too, because this strategic plan, the next one that we're developing, we've had an executive retreat where we've discussed some ideas and come up with five pillars. We want to build our school around these five pillars. We've got a board retreat next weekend. So the board are going to be having their first look at the pillars and their input as well. And then we've got a staff day on the first day of term three. So all staff are going to be looking at these pillars and I've actually shown them the pillars, but they're going to be working in groups as well. So the next uh, three months, four months, five is very much going to be about the strategic plan and some big decisions moving forward. And and there's some around building as well, some massive decisions because that, yeah, you know, that's, that's big money that you're going to be spending. And we've got a great STEM center that's currently being built, which is brilliant. And I'm so fortunate the school's in a position where we can start considering our next build. And there are so many competing priorities. You know, some people here would just love a new performing arts centre. Some would love a swimming pool. Some would love an extra level in a junior school. Um, there are so many competing interests there and and all feel very passionately about why this is going to be so important for the school. So we're making some big decisions that, that set the school up for the next 10, 15, even more years. So, so it's exciting, but I very aware of the responsibility and certainly take it seriously and coming back to decisions that these are certainly decisions that are not made lightly. So consulting, consulting widely. And there's a lot of, as I said, parents, former students, current students, also valuable as we look at all of these aspects. And um, so there's the big decisions. And there's also just things like the school uniform at the moment at Kilvington is very gender specific, even different blazers, uh, slightly different shirts, depending on agendas, different jumpers. And we have just got some um, prototypes in for a, a gender neutral uniform that we're showing students at the moment. Soon we're going to be bringing some parents in to have a look as well. And um, early feedback, really positive. But um, but this is very much student driven and one of the things that we want their input very much into. So there's decisions like that one. But then there's also the massive financial ones like the next build and 
and the, the next real emphasis of where we're going to be placing our priorities moving forward. So that's why I do want as much input as possible. And it sounds like, Rob, that you know, even in that first 100 days, there are small and big decisions that have significant impact you know, and some that are just too good to grab, um, you know, and to have that impact, whereas others sort of, you know, will, will sort of take time to sort of, you know, generate and ideate. Um, but you can't just sort of stand still, um, you know, for 12 months and sit in, sit in your office. Yeah, that's, that's right. And I, I absolutely get the essence of the don't make big decisions for the first year, just listen and learn. But as I said, when you're on the ground, you do get to pick up a place pretty quickly. And I think a full year is a long time before you, uh, you make a decision. So yeah, definitely things have got to be made along the way. And as I said, the strategic plan actually uh, forces some some really significant decisions. So I can't just sit back and wait a year before those decisions are made. We need the plan and we want it in place by the end of this year. Uh, so it, it's exciting and, and some important decisions. And, and that's why for me, it's been so important. I think first and foremost, to if I can come in here and get people to trust me as soon as possible. And the way to do that is to listen and also to value the people who've gone before you, you know, the previous heads and the pe- previous people who've built this school and you just got to very much appreciate that as well. And one of the things I did early, which was great, we've got two staff members here who've been teaching since the earlier 1980s and it was just great to spend a bit of time with them because they've seen the school change from an all-girls school, very small, right through until the, the decision to go co-ed when the school was teetering on the brink of survival. Um, so they've seen such a change in the place and to sit and talk to them, so that's just liquid gold. That's just so valuable just to get their perspective and also to show you I really value people who've gone before me. They've all forged and they've all had their footprint and they're all an important part of the school's history. Uh, so you can't just swan into a place thinking, okay, now I'm just going to make all these decisions based on what I think's right from my previous experience at different schools, different contexts. So listening, really important. But then I think people do want to see a bit of proactivity around that listening as well. I think what you're saying there is sometimes there's a difference between the theory and the practicality of the role and and the difference between the advice you get and you know how you feel things are going on the ground. I guess I'd like to transition to kind of talking a little bit more about you, uh, you know, yourself aside from the role or, or things that have changed for you personally uh, from taking on the role. So I guess my first question around that is around the mental t- the mental toll. You know, have you found that you've that you've uh, had any changes in around, you know, what you take home on a day to day basis from from being at work in terms of the mental capacity and the mental load of those decisions that you were talking about earlier? Yeah, certainly, uh, it was really good question because I was thinking about this the other day. It was a beautiful autumn night in Melbourne, and I took I got two beautiful cavoodles and I took them for a walk in the twilight. Beautiful evening, leaves changing colour. It was just beautiful. So I probably walked for about 40 minutes and I got home and I stopped and thought, it's a beautiful night. And I thought, what have I been doing for the last 40 minutes? And I realized I'd just been thinking, churning things through. I hadn't once in that 40 minutes stopped and thought, this is so beautiful. I think what I thought at the time was I was mindful, two words rather than mindful, one word. And so it was just a really good um, reminder to myself. You've just got to take that time to step back and you can't have your mind whirling all the time. So mentally, I feel in pretty good shape and got people I can talk to, which is great. But I've, I'm always aware of it when I've got things on my mind. There's um, like my sleep. I have these dreams all the time. I'm either back at school and I can't find my class and my books are all out of my locker and I'm all disorganized. 
or um, t- teacher at a school and I can't find my class and I'm running around and I don't know where they are. Last night I had a dream that I was looking for my football team and couldn't find them and I was driving around who knows where. And uh, so when I have those dreams, I know I've got things on my mind. So I've certainly got, got my mind pretty busy, um, but I think it's the awareness, constant awareness that you do need to switch off. Like when you're taking the time to walk the dogs, um, I think it, sometimes it's a good time to think about things and probably to make a few decisions, but I think it's also a really important time to completely switch off. Uh, so I keep reminding myself of that. You've got to take the time to switch totally off. So I feel in pretty good shape mentally, but certainly am aware that I'm probably carrying more and I'm thinking more. And I think those dreams are a bit of an indication that I've got more on my mind than say what I would have previously had. That's really fascinating. And and that, that idea of you know, having to deliberately um, code switch, but switch off, um, you know, from schooling. How else is, how's your social life changed too? And I mean, we sort of talked about that um, sort of before we got on air. Um, you know, w- what have you noticed about that now being in this role? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. This is, this is one of the key things. And, and I was thinking this be a couple of days ago as well, that I can see where long-term principals who are so absorbed in the job for a long time and then stop and don't have anything to move off to, I can see that there is a potential real danger that you can be totally cut off from your uh, previous social uh, contacts. And that's one of the things definitely I've got to be aware of because social life, um, I've I've meant to have been catching up with some old school friends and I've put it off a few times. Um, It's just when you have three nights or maybe four nights out with school events during a week and then you've got a night off. And and I know for myself, especially as the winter starts to hit in Melbourne, I just want to go on cocoon at home and have a night out and just, just really switch off. So it's so important, I think, to keep aware of your previous friendships and social connections because if you cut them off during your principalship because you're so busy as a principal and you're so social because you're out there a lot. Like tonight I've got a 40-year reunion I'm going to and it's been a lot of fun preparing for that, actually looking back at 1982 and the events uh, worldwide in Australia and then looking at their yearbook from 1982 to see what was happening. Um, but, that, you know, that's a social event, um, but it's not, you know, with... Uh, my friends from outside of school. So I think principals need to be so aware of this that if, if you're just absorbed in the social side of the school and cut off your previous friendships, you, you know, potentially down the track when you do end at the school, uh, you could be very cut off. And I think that could be a really hard transition. So very aware of it. And I've got to make the effort. And, and I apologise to my old school friends that I keep saying, I'm, we're, we'll catch up soon, we'll catch up soon. Um, it is just one of the demands, I think, of the job. You've just got to think, no, OK, I've got this night off, but I'm going to go and catch up with some friends because that's important, really important. So that, that is something that I think we've got to be really aware of. Your own social life can take a battering. And a lot of principals we talk to talk about the importance of having their support at home, uh, you know, from their family or their partner. I guess I'm interested in uh, maybe what you think your partner would say about what's changed for you or what's changed at home with you. Yeah, so Lucinda would say that I'm probably busier. I I think she would sense that I'm busier. So she's always a night owl and she works very hard at night. So she's in education as well and just started a new job this year as well as directing wellbeing at another school not far from where I am. So she's incredibly busy and she's also doing a Master of Counselling. So she's been up all week up doing her own study. So th- there's a general busyness to our house. And for the first time, she used to teach at the school just around the corner where our kids went as well. Or go, they still go to Kingswood. So she used to drive them there every day. So they've had a very good run for a long time. But now she's up very early and out and they've got to find their own way to school, which is they seem to have conned their grandmas most mornings. But um, it's a bit different for them. Uh, I don't think uh, my two teenagers generally ambivalent towards me. I don't think they would have noticed too many changes, but unless they want something. Um, 
But but I think Lucinda would say I've probably been a bit busier. Um, <laughs> but just generally, what we do is as much as possible. We'll, we'll cook a couple of vats of pasta on the weekend, and we know that that's going to last a few nights. And we're just trying to pre-plan a bit around the busy times. So certainly the home front is important and I'm really lucky with Lucinda because she's in education she knows school so well she knows me so well she so she's a great sounding board too and um and she's often telling me just trust your instinct on this one and uh, that, that that's the way you've got to go so uh, very good for as far as um that affirmation about yeah believe in yourself and believe that you're on the right track and you're in the job for a reason and you've been trusted for a reason so uh, just get on with it I think, Rob, that's really interesting to have that level of support at home, but also that level of understanding. Sort of talking to, to other leaders uh, across the country, there are some partnerships where school stays at school um, and home home is just home and that we, you know, there's not that download um, or wanting to burden the family of what you're doing in your school. But it sounds like you've got a unique partnership because, um, because of that level of understanding and you are able to, to download, but also... Um, to, to, I guess, ideate and think differently and, and uh, you know, even us, listen to for advice. What do I do here? Yeah, it, it, it is really important like that. And because we we, we realise and we understand the lie of the land in school, so we'll keep things confidential uh, between ourselves. But And I won't share everything, but it's just really good at times where there's just things that we can bounce off each other. And we, we used to walk a lot with the dogs actually together. We haven't been doing that as much lately just with the busyness of things. But when we do get a chance to do that, it's 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 great. And even recently, um, last weekend, the Canberra AHESA conference, which was brilliant for new heads, and she was able to come up there for one night. Um, so she knows Paul Hicks, who I used to work with at Camberwell, and she's very close to Paul's wife, Sue. So they were catching up. And um, we, so she was able to come out there for a bit and just escape as well just for a night and come up to Canberra so it was really important for us just to spend a bit of time together like that away from the rush bustle of um, the weekly life and we've got a week booked in Noosa in July so we've just definitely got to keep aware that um, looking after ourselves which is obviously a key to it but the one thing I would say and I, I've given the impression that uh, it is incredibly busy but the one thing that has just been absolutely brilliant for me is this is the first time in probably 30 years working in schools that I haven't been in a Saturday morning uh, school, a Saturday morning sports school. And while I used to love my coaching, sometimes you know, when you're on the bus to Assumption, which is an hour and a half away on a Saturday morning at 7am with your year seven footballers calling for McDonald's. Um, so the, it's Saturday mornings I've got back and that, that's just been a brilliant part of the weekend. So I, I tend to get up a little bit more leisurely, head off to the gym, have a swim, come back and take my daughter to netball, which I love doing. And uh, so I have been able to gain back that time, which has been incredibly valuable. So it hasn't all just been a, a step up that's been just so incredibly busy and demanding. Um, that has been a really important part of it. And to have a full weekend after 30 years of generally not having one, that makes a big difference. I was going to ask about what the, uh, the most enjoyable part has been for you, but I think you've just answered it right there. Um, so we'll skip that question. <laughs> Saturday morning sleeping has been brilliant, but on, on the enjoyment thing though, the um, the other thing that's, it, it's been really funny actually, because I've always been in secondary school, so I've always worked in the secondary sector, but just the layout of Kilvington, where my office is, the closest corridor student-wise has got our um, preps, ones and twos, and just beyond them, the ELC. And that is just so much fun, especially when you can just swan in and swan out again. And uh, so, like, I was walking just late last term past the year ones and they were having a board game afternoon and uh, Connect Four was being played. I used to play that with my kids. I always thought I was pretty good at it. So I went running in and thought, oh, I'll have a game. And 
So I played against this young fella and I was thinking, oh, do I go easy on him or do I? And anyway, he thrashed me, absolutely thrashed me. Had it with a two-way, you know, up or diagonal, he beat me. So then he, he quickly polished me off, won that game. And then he said, um, oh, I want to play someone better. And um, it, it's just that fun you can have too, those little interactions. Uh, yeah, just really uh, a special, special part of it. Uh, and, and as I said, I haven't had those close interactions with the the younger year levels uh, through my working career. So to have them so close, it, it provides a lot of fun. And I think that's the important thing too, when you have been bogged down a little bit in your office and you can know you can just hop up and um, 60 or 70 metres away, there's a prep classroom that you can just walk into and um, that just keeps you a bit grounded as well and just, just keeps you realising why you're in the job and and it's fun. And I've always said that, that you know, schools can be incredibly demanding at times and th- there can be such emotion and we're dealing with so many young people, as I said before, things are not always going to go right and there's there's so much that you've got to be um, aware of like that. But generally, schools are fun places to be. Young people, and especially at a school like this one, are just a privilege to work with and teachers are great to work with uh, and the support staff incredible as well. So schools are a lot of fun. And, and I do chase a lot of fun around the school as well. And sometimes you've got to consciously go and look for that. And I think that's one of the, the great things about being ahead is that uh, you almost have permission to just disrupt classes. Um, you know, you have permission to go in there and just turn things upside down. And certainly it's been my experience working with, with heads in a junior setting, just that permission to go in and just create chaos and the teachers just rolling their eyes going, oh, yeah, you know, why is he in here now? You know, <laughs> we're trying to keep the kids yeah. focused, but but it's um it's a lovely part of the job, and it sounds like it's something that really gives you energy, um, you know, and and gives you life to do what you do. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's so important, and and you're right there, Matt. It's sort of it's sort of like being the uncle. You know, you can just swan in and stir things up a bit, and then leave, and and the teachers there to then get them settled again. Um, I remember taking my little um, Bluetooth speaker into the preps after their first week, and set up a few songs to have a dance to and cause total disruption and chaos for a while and then I'd left. Um, but but what's been so rewarding too is I, I do a um, supervision of the private study up there in the year 12. They've got a special uh, common room up there. So to go from you know dealing with 17, 18-year-olds and having a chat to them about uh, life in general and schoolwork and then coming down back this end where my office is through the junior school, um, to get that contrast is really special and to be reminded of that every day when you're dealing with three and four-year-olds up to 18-year-olds, that, that's a fair span of years in there. And to think that they're all, you know, um, or in some ways you're doing your best you possibly can for all of them, uh, it's pretty special and, and very rewarding. And I guess just to kind of bring the two kind of themes together, obviously you've probably rung a few people during the last couple of months. Um, you know, who have you kind of been ringing for advice, uh, you know, and what kind of advice have you kind of been getting during that time? Yeah, but once again, really fortunate for um, people to go to. So Rick Tudor, who's a previous principal in Melbourne, very well respected, is uh, was one. Of, he helped the board with my appointment, and he agreed to help with some mentoring. So we're actually we've been texting lately. We're going to be catching up soon. Um, and as part of the Fisher leadership process, they also set up a mentor. So Julian Dowse, who actually used to be in my job as deputy at Camberwell before me, so he knows the role that I stepped from into this position. Then he was a principal in Western Australia before uh, coming back to Melbourne. So he's um, been a, an official mentor through that process. And then Phil DeYoung, who was my principal at Carey, is also great for advice as well. So I've just been really fortunate like that. And as I said before, Lucinda's always great too because she knows me so well and um, and because we do both work in schools, we tend to be surrounded by you know, people who know schools pretty well. So 
Um, just been really fortunate. It's um, hard to just quickly think of the things that I've run past them, but sometimes it's just quick. I think I gave Julian a call a couple of weeks ago just to ask his opinion on tenured positions and something I was just working out, and um, he just gave his quick take on it. So sometimes it can be a quick 10-minute chat. Uh, sometimes, uh, with, like with Rick, when I catch up with him next week, I've just got a list of a few things I just want to get his thoughts on. Um, so very fortunate, and it is such an important part, definitely, in the job, because it can be a bit lonely, and if you don't have the right people to can, um, confide in and sometimes just seek opinions from, I think you can become a bit lost as well. But I also saw at the HESA conference in Canberra the importance of other heads because they do know they know exactly what you're going through and they're making the similar decisions. And um, we were talking before, even the... Um, Oh, sorry, I was talking last week at Canberra with a few other heads about what we're doing with, say, our non-teaching staff, our support staff, and the working from home arrangements because, you know, they've obviously been in place for the last couple of years and some schools have said, we're all back now. Some have thought, well, the corporate world's doing it. We can do it with some of our support staff. So just things like that. It's really good just to see what other schools are doing. And I can see where the AHESA network and networks like that are incredibly important as well because you can pick up the phone and you can get connected to people who are going through exactly the same sort of things and making the same decisions. And I guess, Rob, you know, you've just spoken there about AHESA and the importance of speaking with other heads and you've sort of been in Canberra recently, but also you're at the AHESA conference in, in Melbourne. What have been some of the takeaways um, from, from those experiences and, and that networking that you've done? I think the big one from Canberra for me, which was really good, just so simple, but pretty profound, was just the importance of stepping back and keeping the big picture view on things. Because when you are in a school, it's so tempting to be involved in the, you know, the rush bustle of daily life. And even as a, a Brad principal, you can get um, stuck in the operations, you know, when there's decisions to be made, you know, that, that they needing to be made, but you can uh, put those over to other people. So I think that my biggest takeaway from Canberra was definitely the importance of stepping back and keeping a bigger vision and, and not getting lost in the smaller things. Um, and alongside that, it was also just that um, a, a quite a few principals speaking about it. it's okay to be vulnerable and it's actually a strength to show your vulnerability, not thinking that you've got to be in control all the time. And, and when there's tough days that happen for people to see your vulnerability is really important and gives everyone permission to realise in a way that, yeah, the, the, these days are really tough and we can show our emotions. So, that, that was really important uh, takeaways, but because you know, I was thinking this, uh, it was one of the days last term and I was running around with a box of rapid antigen tests and sprinting around the place to make sure because we had the latest handout of them and they arrived at reception, we're all handing them out. And I remember stopping for a second thinking, what am I doing? Like, like I'm running around with this box and is this really what, you know, I've got to be spending my time doing or can this be best be spent, you know, with, uh, I could be thinking of other things <laughs> and... Uh, this can be handled by other people, which of course it can. So just got to be mindful of that. And that's what I think was the big takeaway from Canberra. Just keep your eye on the big picture. Yeah, I like that. Now, just to round things out for today, before we get to my favourite segment, um, I just want to kind of look at uh, look at the future. Uh, we've talked about a lot about the last 100 days, really, um, and your kind of experiences there. But, you know, what do you kind of see as uh, your kind of goals and, and what do you think you're going to want to get after? And has that changed kind of for the rest of the year based on what you've seen over the first few months? Yeah, I think probably hasn't changed. I think coming into the role for myself, I thought my goal was to establish myself as a, as a trusted leader who's seen as, you know, compassionate and caring, but, but strong in decision making and someone who can be dependent on, someone who can be relied on. I've seen it said a few times and across the journey, 
Um, but I think it's a really good question for a leader to ask themselves quite constantly. I think sometimes we get ourselves lost asking, yeah, why, what's the importance of this, which is obviously really significant. But a really good question for a leader to ask every now and then is, um, would these people follow me if they didn't have to? In other words, take away my title and position. Would I still have these people on side and following me? And I just think it's a really good question to ask every now and then. So if my answer to that question, you know, over the next few months is, yes, I think generally yes, then then I feel like I'm doing what I've set out to do. And that is to establish myself as a leader that's not just got the title, but is a leader. And um, that that's probably the most important thing to me. So that goal hasn't changed. But certainly things like the strategic plan are changing the way I'm now approaching things. So I've got the lie of the land of the school and we're, we're in a really good uh, rhythm and routine at the moment. We've got our challenges. We've got a lot of teachers away at the moment with the COVID and the flu combination and all schools are grappling with those sort of things. But for the months moving forward, it's about strategic planning and, as I said, keeping myself focused on that bigger picture and making some really important decisions. I really like that idea around people wanting to follow you because they want to, not because of the fact that they have to. And there is a large difference between that, I think. Now, that brings us to my favourite segment of the week, which is the Quickfire Five. Matt, as you know, I, I was bringing the heat this week and I had some sound effects ready to go, but uh, we've had some technical difficulties. But I think I'm going to play it uh, so I can hear it and I'll have a good time listening to the uh, intro theme music. Unfortunately, you guys won't get to, to hear it, but the audience will, and that's the main thing. So with that, let's get to the Quickfire Five. One edu consultant that you think does great work. Uh, Dylan William. Just it's so practical, so common sense, and, and brings it right down to what's important in the classroom. Right. One leader you'd like to work with again if you had the chance? So this is where you're going to say I'm breaking rules, but, um, but I can't just come up with one. I've worked with some great leaders in the past, and, and my last principals, Paul Hicks at Camberwell, Stephen Meek at Geelong Grammar, Phil de Young at Cary, and I put in Elizabeth Lenders, the deputy at Cary as well, all brilliant people who I'd be very happy to work for again. Now, you guys can't hear it again, but I've, I've got some sound effects when people break the rules, Matt. <laughs> 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 we'll see how that plays out. All right. One educational narrative you think has been overrated in the last 10 years? See, I can't answer that without breaking the rules again, because that's, that's a big question. And it's a big one for quick five five. <laughs> as quickly as I can, though. Well, while they're so important, and I absolutely get the significance, I think we've the way we talk about 21st century skills, because um, absolutely important, but we talk about things like collaboration, problem solving, entrepreneurship, as if they've only developed in the 21st century and they're only um, important now. But I think, you know, cave people needed those skills in abundance. So I'd, I'd be changing the wording of them a little bit about, you know, I know they're very, very much sought after. But I also hear people calling them the soft skills, but I don't hear them saying um, kindness and compassion and empathy as well as those. So I just think 21st century skills, we just need to be careful with how we brand them and what the way the language you use around them, even though absolutely essential skills, but they've been around for a long time. And and the one other one, and I'd be really careful here, but I, I feel pretty strongly about this one, just the wording around growth mindset, such an important concept and I absolutely get it. And you'd much rather a young person say, I don't get that yet, then I can't do this. But I do think we need a few caveats around it. In a school setting, we get these young people taking on subjects that are really challenging in the senior years, thinking because I'll get it. But, but, but we don't then consider the time constraints around the time that they've got to get it, the impact on their other subjects. So while it's a brilliant concept, I just think we've got to be a little bit careful about just going totally, oh, no, growth mindset, you can do that. Because school does place some boundaries and restrictions. 
So no, sorry for breaking the rules, but um, good answers. Even though you broke the rule, that's okay. They were good answers, so we'll, we'll allow that. Yeah, that's the good. most underrated role in a school. That's a really good question as well. There, there are, I think it's the the people who keep the school going that we don't see all the time. So the IT guys, we don't know what they're doing to keep the things running there, and um, the cleaning staff, the grounds and maintenance. And, and those jobs that, like at the moment, daily org in all schools, so challenging and um, risk and compliance, you know, those things are the things that are probably less glamorous um, and don't get a lot of um, focus. We don't put them on our websites. We don't uh, have them on the open day displays, but they keep the school ticking. Yeah, we'll give you that. There wasn't one answer there. That was very diplomatic. Uh, and uh, to round out, the favorite, your favourite building or space at Kilvington? We got really lucky to have a, a beautiful office that is a haven with a great window view out and the, the trees changing colour at the moment. Um, but the, we've got a treehouse common room where the E12s do their, that's their common room and private study room. Beautiful room with that morning sun coming in there and there's couches around the side. So, and I do some supervising study up there. That's a beautiful space. So I'd say that one. And um, as I said, very lucky to have a, a really nice office. And just before we uh, close things out, I did meet a few people, Rob, who, uh, if they thought that they deserved a shout out in uh, in the, in part one, so I'm going to just leave it open a little window here for you to uh, to kind of nominate whether there's anyone that you want to give a shout out to uh, and send some good vibes to on on this episode and uh, keep some people happy, perhaps. <laughs> Can I just say to all the listeners, um, this so this is really hard because I'm going to leave people out, but I would have to say <laughs> definitely my wife and family um, support, and then. Uh, my Campbell colleagues, especially the team I work closely with, Dave, Marty, Justine and the exec team, Troy, who I know you interviewed um, a couple of weeks ago and I'll look forward to listening to him talking about middle schooling. And then at Kilvington, I've, I've just uh, I've talked about the board before. I've just been so fortunate there. Um, Kat, my EA, who's just been brilliant and the executive team here are great because um, I've been able to spend time with them individually as well as as a team. And, and I do, uh, we have a lot of fun together as well as just getting a lot achieved. So I'd have to mention them. And then... Um, and the staff here, as I said, for embracing the change and welcoming me into the community as well as the parents here. And I've met a lot of former students who are brilliant as well. So, uh, yeah, that, it's just been great. And current students, and maybe a shout out to our school captains, Shreya, David, Sarah, Charlie, great team to work with. And one more because you've opened this up and now I'm going to be leaving people out. But um, I did specifically get criticised by these guys, but... Um, Really important for me, I've, I've been part of a group that meets probably for about 20 years. We've been meeting on a Friday morning and we go for a run. As we've got older, some go for, we go for a bike ride, then we meet up for breakfast, mostly teachers. Um, so people like Phil DeYoung are in that group. And I better mention Paul Jepson, he's the one specifically who said, why didn't you mention me? But but that's, that's just a really special group because yeah, a lot of them are educational leaders as well. So when you're running along the banks of the Yarra in the morning and you can just have that quiet chat to someone just about what would you do in this situation, then come back and have a bit of breakfast and just have a chat. And it's just been a really important escape and a really important part of just uh, keeping my own health, both mental and physical. So a, a bit of a shout out to the Friday morning uh, running group as well. Really important in that uh, in that space. I love it. And I think I've probably covered a lot of people there, but you did. Uh, <laughs> You've you, done well. You've done well. I was up to a lot or, or not at all, but um, yeah. I hopefully I'm not going to upset anyone there. But um, <laughs> yes, but I'm, I'm very fortunate. I feel so lucky to be supported by a lot of people. And this is a great community. I'll say it one more time to have joined. And I'm just incredibly fortunate to be part of this uh, great school. Well, with that, that brings an end to our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed part two of our three-part series with Rob. Rob, you're going to come back for part three, I hope. 
Oh, hopefully you'll have me back. that would be a lot of fun. It's certainly been a great pleasure to chat with you again. Matt, any closing comments? Uh, three points from me for, for closing out. Um, I mean, Rob, you're just so generous and, and, and authentic. I love that idea of picking up nuances in culture just by being present and connecting with kids and getting to the classroom. Um, I love the way that you described the difference between mindful, two words, versus mindful, one word. Um, just so important. I think that's for all leaders. Um, you know, I just think just the way you frame that was it was just absolutely spot on. Um, and I love that idea of, you know, needing to step back and not hand out um, the rapid antigen tests. Um, you know, that's, that's such a deputy kind of mindset and you've just kind of, why am I doing this? So to step back from those operations and see the big picture, um, I think is, is something important for all of us uh, in our roles. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Matt. And Luke, if, um, there's one more thing, if I can, just going back to the very start, I just thought, how could I, uh, going back to the very start of what we first talked about in my own childhood. So um, my mum, Leslie, she'll, she'll listen. And uh, she was just a tower of strength with my sister, Jane, as well, who's a very strong, but successful person in her own right. Um, but yeah, the three of us, yeah, my dad was around, but the three of us really sort of formed a connection through our years. And my mum drove the um, strength of education in both Jane and I, and she went back to study later on. And even though that wasn't the common thing to do in her time. And so she was a yeah, very, very strong presence in my um, upbringing as well. So I better mention my mum and sister as well. Mums, we, we can't do without them. They're amazing, uh, amazing people. For me, taking that time to think, you know, you kind of talked about how you don't have to answer the question straight away, just giving yourself that time to think. Um, and I love that kind of concept of that you actually went back to that person a few days later and just to clarify your position um, and how important that can be from both sides of that story, like maybe from their side that they, maybe they didn't quite take it how you took, but also from your own side, like mentally getting that load off of your mind um, to be able to kind of do that. I also had the mindful and the mindful um, as a note and and also just that last bit, which I, I like to talk about a lot, which is that vulnerability as a leader um, and how important that can be both in terms of showing people that you're human um, and that, you know, that with that, I think, comes a real trust factor. Um, Rob, anything else you'd like to add? Any other people you'd like to mention? <laughs> no, I think I'd better stop there because <laughs> then I'm going to have to go through too many. <laughs> All right, with that, uh, remember, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show and please don't forget to share the love and maybe put a link in your staff newsletter or at your, or at your next staff meeting about this great podcast called Ed Leaders. You can also sign up to edleaders.com.au where you will keep you up to date with all the latest and you can follow us on LinkedIn at Ed Leaders and also connect with Matt and I. You can also connect with Rob on LinkedIn as well. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. Go well. <laughs>